You build your self-esteem by building a community. It is you majority, but it's also involving the relationships that you have. Hey, you. You're listening to Not Yet, the podcast about our relationships and how they're the keys to our self-discovery. I'm your host, Paige Polk. I'm a community builder and Emmy award-winning digital media artist, channeling the powers of introspection. You're in the right place if you're mindful about the world you create and believe it's possible for us all to belong. I'm so grateful you're here. Now let's start the show. Hello, welcome back to the Not Yet podcast, the project about self-awareness, self-understanding, self-love, and I'm so grateful that you're here today because I have a super special guest. Hey, Q. Hello, how are you doing? Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. I'm going to give you Q's black and white version, their, uh, their bio, because it's truly remarkable. Uh, Q was born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana, and her travel journey started at the age of 18. Uh, She was stationed in Europe for several years, which opened her eyes to a world she hadn't even known existed. She's been living nomadically and exploring the globe ever since. Her most recent travel journey is a solo road trip along the Pan America Highway, which includes North, Central, and South America. Yes. (laughs) What does it feel like to hear that sort of short story spoken back to you? (laughs) It feels like I've lived like three or four lifetimes all in (laughs) one (laughs) at the young age of 27. I definitely, I say all the time, it feels like I've lived multiple lifetimes. (laughs) So yeah, I definitely would say I have, I've had an eventful life, but everything happens for a reason and I wouldn't change like my travel experiences for the world. I don't know where my life would be if I hadn't been introduced to travel. And um, I don't really want to know because I feel like it helped me become just a more well-rounded, like evolved person. Like a a more well-rounded evolved person. Yes. Mm -hmm. Where in the world are you right now? May I ask? I am in Central America, Hopkins, Belize. I've been here for about a week and a half and I'm really loving it here. And I'm going to be sad to leave, but next I'm headed to Guatemala. So I'm really excited to explore Guatemala. And yeah, so every time it's like bittersweet, you know, leaving and going to the next country, the next destination, it's always like bittersweet. Well, you shared that travel has really helped you become a more well-rounded person. Can you share who that person is? Who are you, Q? (laughs) Yeah, so I would say that I am, I'm definitely an introvert in a lot of ways. Um, I can be extroverted and I love meeting people and making friends, but I would definitely say I'm laid back. I'm chill. I'm, I feel like I'm open to all different sorts of experiences and people. And I try to be open-minded to the different experiences that people have, you know, because one thing that travel and life has taught me is that everybody has a story and everybody's story is valid and everybody has quirks and, you know, 
basically different perceptions based off of their experiences. And I think as a human, it's important to understand that everybody's perception is going to, or everybody's experience is going to give them a different perception. And so I would say that travel has helped me understand that, you know, it's not really all about black and white or being wrong or right. Um, it's about understanding that people are different and it's okay to have like different opinions and different cultural, you know, experiences. What is something that has, I guess, surprised you while you've been in just Belize? I won't go into your whole yes. travel experience. Why you've been right. in Belize? What's something that's been surprising to you? Something that's been surprising to me in Belize, well, on a lighter note, the bugs out here are on a whole nother level. <laughs> I just found out about the sand fleas here. Yes, I have probably about 30 bug bites, maybe 30, 40 bug bites on my body right now. It's It can be a lot. I, I, to be honest, I've never gotten bit by so many bugs like this. So that's why it's like, I want to go out. I want to go to the beach and explore, but I have been kind of chilling the last couple of days because I'm recovering from all these bug bites. Like, So the bugs definitely caught me off guard. The sand fleas caught me off guard, um, but it is absolutely gorgeous. And I've also been surprised by the hospitality. The people are very friendly here. Um, there's been a lot of things that surprised me. Like when I first gotten here, I realized just how many languages people here spoke. And that's when I really um, understood how diverse Belize is. Belize is known as a melting pot in a lot of different ways. Um, they speak over five or six languages. There's a strong indigenous population here that goes for Mayans and the Garifuna people who um, are direct descendants from Africa. And so there's a lot of different cultures and a lot of different history here, um, which took me aback because especially after traveling in Mexico for over a year, where it's like Mexico is a very beautiful culture, but it's also monolithic, you know, so it's almost like a sharp contrast. So you went directly from Mexico to Belize? Yes. During my road trip, I had driven from, well, I started in Arizona um, in 2020, and then I had driven all throughout Mexico. Um, I did take some time to rest, and I did stay in some areas longer than others, but I had made it all the way down to the end of Mexico, and Belize is right underneath Mexico, so I drove into Belize um, about a week and a half ago. And so, yes, I'm just, my goal is to continue driving through Central America and shipping my car to South America because there is something called the Darien Gap, which basically, basically is um, an area of very thick jungle and you're, you're, you're not able to drive through it. So I would have to get my car shipped. And yeah, that's pretty much like what my road trip is consisting of. Technically, I did start in Chicago and then drive to Arizona. But that was like early, um, that yeah, very early 2020, even before the pandemic. So you've been, you've been driving for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like I said, I take time to rest, you know, when I feel like I need to rest. And sometimes it is kind of like a balancing act of just, because as a traveler, naturally, I want to get out and explore. I want to do all the action-packed and amazing things. But as a solo traveler who's also driving from country to country, it does get exhausting, you know, and I've been learning to give myself grace where it's like, 
you know, yes, you're a traveler and you want to see all these beautiful things, but today's a rest day, you know, or this weekend is a rest weekend. Sometimes I have to tell myself that to avoid getting burnt out, you know. What does rest look like for you while you're traveling? Mm -hmm. For me, rest, like I said, I'm an introvert. So I recharge alone when like the, that's the best method of recharging alone. Maybe um, being intentional with meditation, being intentional with like the foods that I eat, um, staying in bed, making some tea. Maybe I might edit, you know, a video or two, maybe do a little light work, but overall rest looks like staying in bed and enjoying the small things, living in the moment, appreciating, you know, just the very little things that, you know, people usually take for granted as like privileges, you know. The thing that really Mm -hmm. hit for me was rest is privilege. Yeah. And that's also one thing that I, I make sure to implement into my life because I do feel like my ancestors dreamed of resting, you know? Um, and so I do it for them. And also one of the reasons why I travel is because I believe that my ancestors lived through me and throughout my travel experiences, I feel like they are experiencing it with me. When I rest, I feel like I'm healing my lineage. I feel like I'm healing my lineage by traveling as well, because I quite literally am my ancestors' wildest dreams. I'm doing things that Black people didn't even know was possible 50 to 100 years ago, you know? And that's why I feel like representation matters. And that's one motivating factor that keeps pushing me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like you're doing some healing for yourself and for those that you yeah. love too. Absolutely. That's why I say it's like a journey of self-discovery. When did it hit you that your travel was helping you discover yourself? Um, well, I had realized that even living in Europe, because like I said, I moved to Europe in 2013. And that was a period of time where I had an epiphany as to how grand the world really was. I was traveling to countries that I didn't even know existed. I was, and it was really just almost like a spiritual awakening because I had grown up very sheltered in Indiana, Indianapolis. My father was a preacher, you know, so I lived a very, very sheltered life. And I left home at 17 and less than two years later, I was living in Europe. So it it really opened up like and helped me see the world from like a lot more of an expansive view. Um, so Europe definitely opened my eyes to travel. But even in Mexico, I definitely learned a lot about the indigenous cultures and those experiences helped shape me as well. Um, learning languages. I think learning a, a new language is a very humbling experience. And you definitely get to learn a lot about yourself during learning a <laughs> new language. Because a lot of people, I don't think, put the work into it because it requires humbling yourself. It requires embarrassing yourself sometimes. And it requires understanding that you really don't know as much as you ever thought you did, you know? So learning Spanish while traveling through Mexico was also a very humbling experience for me. I think I'm just resonating with a lot of what you're saying. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I um, I lived in Lima, Peru for a little over a year. Oh, wow. Uh, and then after that, I lived in Barcelona for a bit. 
And then I mm-hmm. came back to the States. I've, I've never done a, like a Pan American road trip before. I, I did a road right. trip across the United States once. And that yeah. was still really fascinating. Um, right. Like not learning multiple languages, but definitely seeing multiple cultures. And right. the thing for me that I guess was probably the most challenging bit about traveling alone, mm-hmm. um, because it was at the time I hadn't developed my own spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. And it felt incredibly isolating. And mm-hmm. it seems like you've developed at least like a like a system or a relationship with yourself so that you feel it seems like you, you seem very grounded <laughs> in, oh, in oh this call you. right now. And so I'm yeah. I wonder, like I'm asking you rather, <laughs> um <laughs> How are you maintaining and building the relationship with yourself while you're doing this travel on your own? Right, right. Um, I I think that my lifestyle, like in general, has prepared me for solo travel because I grew up an only child. Um, I have brothers and sisters, but they were raised by, you know, their parents because they were half. Um, so I grew up with my father he was somewhat of a recluse and I really had to learn how to entertain myself and soothe myself growing up. And it was an interesting journey of ups and downs. But even though I'm a lot more outgoing now, I think that those moments of loneliness, especially as a child, kind of helped prepare me to value a relationship with self before anything else. You know, I feel like a lot of people like, wow, big families and friends and family are very important. I think a lot of people, they get really swept up in other people's opinions and they never get time to really sit still with themselves. And so I think that at a young age, I had the opportunity to learn how to sit with myself and genuinely enjoy my own company. Um, And so as I solo travel, that's something that like deepens my relationship with self. Um, because I get the opportunity to really reflect on what I want to do with my life, who I want to be. You know, I don't have it all figured out. Like we were talking about earlier, it's a journey, you know, but solo traveling really helps me like fall deeper in love with myself because I learned how to enjoy like the experiences of life with myself, you know. Um, Sometimes I may have a desire to share experiences with other people people and sometimes I do have friends to which uh, like share experiences with but I think solo travel definitely just gives me time to reflect and to see things from a different perspective that you might lose out on in groups you know yeah, yeah there's definitely a difference in experiencing anything by yourself yeah. versus with with other people and yeah. uh do Question, do you meet up with mm-hmm. with friends during your solo travel? Yes, I've met up with uh, friends. I've met up with partners. I've met friends like in the local areas. And I really try my best to put myself out there and meet local like people, um, which sometimes is easier than others. But yeah, I, I've never had a problem finding friends or finding really company when I want it. Um, but then when I don't want it, I also <laughs> can have an amazing time with myself, you know? 
So, and I've had people ask me, like, don't you desire romance? Don't you desire, like, you know, that type of thing? And at this stage of my life, it's like, yes, romance, it sounds nice, but I just want someone that is going to actually be of value in my life and I can be of value in their life. You know, I've had people that wanted to join me on my road trip, but they... I feel like they were just wanting to come along for the ride, you know, kind of ride on my coattails. And that's not the type of energy that I want to have, especially in 2022. Like I want to just have people of value around me, you know, and I'm okay with being alone until that time comes. How do you know when someone comes around and they're going to add value to your life? For me, um, it first and foremost, it depends on their relationship with their self. Like that's been um, something that let me know that somebody wasn't really ready to like, you know, I guess be a part of my life, basically how they view themselves um, and how structured they are with their life, how, and also it's not even just about the end goal. It's also about the journey. Like, are they even on the journey? You know, I've encountered people where it's like they weren't even on their journey of truly finding self-love, truly understanding their purpose, their goals, finding that inner motivation, the inner discipline, the inner love, the inner acceptance. You know, it's just all about just how in tune they are with themselves and their their journey is like where I see value in people. And obviously, you know, this is a physical material world. So for me, like I've had people wanting to join my journey, but they didn't even have a job. You know, they didn't <laughs> even have their finances in order. So that was obviously a big no. You know, it's like I just want someone that is grounded with themselves and able to keep themselves stable as well. Yeah. That is, um, that's really powerful. Um, like the idea of whomever you're interacting with, whether it's a romantic partner or a friend or even family, I think can, yeah. can go into the space of, like when like recognizing that yeah. in order to really connect with them in order to really grow with them that the two of you have to be capable of doing that work on your own also yes absolutely like i think so many people are just looking for someone they can join with and be codependent with you know but it's like yes we can bond and we can merge our lives together but we have to maintain that individualism um, I just don't want codependency anymore, you know. <laughs> What's the positive opposite of codependency? Um, what was that? <laughs> the positive opposite of codependency. Oh, the positive opposite of codependency. I would say the way I envision, like, at least in relationships and friendships, the way I envision it is like we can come together whenever we want, we whenever we desire community or intimacy, um, or company, but then we're also able to wake up in the morning and decide, hey, I want to do X, Y, and Z, and then communicate, you know, with our partner, hey, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, you know, are you okay with that? Okay, yes, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, you know, being able to separate and still maintain your productivity without, like, crumbling or without taking it as a personal assault when someone wants to maintain their individuality. 
you know. Yeah. I'm in a, I'm in a five year plus partnership. A five year plus partnership with my fiance. Mm-hmm. And okay. that has been like what you just shared right there. Like the, the, uh, the ability, not just the ability, like the desire Mm-hmm. Like to stand within your own individuality and co-create from two separate grounded places is, right. is something that I am so immensely, immensely, immensely grateful for. And yeah. I didn't know that partnerships could look like this. <laughs> right, right. I didn't know that. I didn't know, um, like I, I think that I had I had viewed a lot of codependent relationships growing up. Um, mm-hmm. Part of that could have been because like, like you never have insight into somebody's right. relationship. Like you never really know what their relationship mm-hmm. is like unless you're a part of the relationship. But mm-hmm. um, for me, I saw a lot of relationships that were romantic, very much rooted in like physical necessity whether it's like mm-hmm. the logistics of like rent's got to get paid or like we right. live together or if like they have kids, like when are you picking up the kids from school or like when are you making oh, right. dinner? And like those things have to happen. You know, like we have to eat, <laughs> we have to right. eat, we have to have a place to live. And uh, I've, I've been in a process for me personally where I've sort of like inverted the foundation of my relationships where it, Whereas previously, like sort of like the fundamentals of living were mm-hmm. um, like things like, okay, we have to eat, we have to have a place to stay, <laughs> right. that sort of stuff. And then like the connection with myself, the connection with, with like source, like my connection with that other person was kind of built on mm-hmm. top of that foundation. And right. now I'm just doing a complete flipperoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what happens if like your relationship with like the universe mm-hmm. is the foundation upon which everything else is built and it is completely right. e- exploded my brain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's definitely a lot to process. Uh, do you feel like um, you became more secure in your attachment just with time? Like, was it that, was it like that in the very beginning? Honestly, when I first met my fiance, I was, mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was excited to meet her. Yeah. <laughs> I was excited yeah. to meet her. She was like, you know, she still is beautiful and kind and mm. courageous. And the, actually the first thing that like really hooked me was that I noticed she had really good quality friends. Mm. Oh yeah. That's definitely an important indicator. I was like, oh, well, you have like substantial, deep relationships with people who genuinely care for you and vice versa. Like, nice hook. Um, (laughs) But like, if I'm being honest with myself, I didn't have a really strong relationship with myself when we met. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was very career driven. Like, there's nothing wrong with caring about your career, but like, that was where my entire focus was. Like, I was like, Mm -hmm. I am a documentary filmmaker. (laughs) And uh, I was living in New York at the time, which is, has its own energy to it for better or for Mm -hmm. worse. And I honestly am like immensely grateful that we met and like, we stuck together. (laughs) 
Right. Um, because I don't think I understood just how beautiful she was and how beautiful our relationship could be at the time. Yeah. If I'm being really frank. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. It's like as the love deepens, you start to see them on a whole deeper level as well especially in hindsight I can definitely see that like for me my longest relationship has been like barely two years so being able to even reach the point of like being in the stage of five six seven eight years that's something that I'm not sure will ever like be possible I don't really it's gonna take you know some time I think of connecting with myself and being patient and just waiting for the right person. But that's amazing. That's beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I never, I also didn't imagine myself having a five year plus relationship because yeah. before this, the longest, even to call them relationships <laughs> is honestly kind of a yeah. joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like six months situationships. Oh, yeah. With people which were just like entanglements, like Jada Pinkett Smith said right. in the Red Table Talk. <laughs> it's easy to get caught up in that. Yeah. Um, because also people are fascinating. There's so, right. like you were saying earlier, like through travel, like there's so mm-hmm. many different ways that people experience the world, process mm-hmm. themselves, communicate their yeah. ideas, dreams that they have. Like I also, I, I get genuinely excited hearing about other people's mm-hmm. dreams. Yeah. Um, so like even before this relationship, I would, I think I would fill up my tank with that exhilaration mm-hmm. And that exhilaration is a nice little spark, but that, that, that flint isn't going to keep the fire burning. I realized the thing that was going to make the fire substantial wasn't even the other person. It was, mm-hmm. it was going to be me. I, um, right. I started watching this show on Hulu. It's called mm-hmm. um, uh, The Girl Before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only saw one episode, but the reason I bring it up is because there is uh, there was a panel that comes up mm-hmm. on the uh, like during the episode and it asks the audience like could you live or could you survive with a second rate partner yes or no mm. and like my fiance asked me like yes or no and I'm like uh, I don't know <laughs> right <laughs> and, and like the reason that I, I like I thought about it a little bit since and the reason that I don't know is because like one what does a second rate partner even mean Right. Because like every single person on this earth has value. Every single person mm-hmm. has like a unique purpose that they're here to right. fulfill. Um, whether mm-hmm. they're walking in alignment with that purpose is, or not is another thing, but like every single person is like mm-hmm. beautiful in their own way. So what does second rate mean? And also if there is a second rate, do I really want to put my happiness in the hands mm-hmm. of another person? That's right. neither their responsibility nor is it even possible for mm-hmm. them to manage. Exactly. So that's definitely something to consider. Like in every relationship, those are questions you should be asking yourself. Yeah. It's so funny that we we got on this call to talk about travel and now we're talking about <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, self-discovery includes, I feel like that's also another thing about self-discovery, like it includes community, friendships, relationships, you know, even um, I had seen an article the other day that's talking about um, 
how self-esteem is cultivated in community. You know, you build your self-esteem by building a community. I think a lot of people think that self-esteem, like self-love, it, it is you like majority, but it's also involving the relationships that you have, you know? Yeah. So I think it was just like a natural progression. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I talk a lot about abolition mm-hmm. in my work and like by abolition, I mean, yes, like the end of the carceral state. And it also feels very much deeper than that to me. Like it's about mm-hmm approaching our lives and our communities uh, and liberating ourselves from the idea that we must discard people or that people are disposable. And Mm. this conversation has given me so much insight on that like balancing act of recognizing like the value of community and also the fundamentals of Mm -hmm. valuing yourself. Mm-hmm. so thank you for right, that. right. <laughs> yes absolutely like even the whole conversation of like discarding people is just so complex especially in 2020 where people almost glamorize being able to just toss people to the wind or you know it's like it's almost like it makes you cool it makes you trendy but then at the same time like the spiritual community normalizes having boundaries you know, releasing people that don't serve you. And it really is like a lot to take in. It really is a balancing act like these days. Like, yes, you want to put yourself first, but it's like, how do you, you know, and you want to respect your own boundaries. Sometimes that involves releasing people, but you don't want to treat someone as if they're discardable because that's not a good feeling, you know? And it it really is, it can get complex for sure. Yeah. It's not as simple as, it's not as simple as, Oh, I don't like this. You need to disappear yeah. because that person will never disappear. <laughs> like that yeah. person is still there. Uh, whether or not you choose to be in active community with them or not, like finding mm-hmm. that space of how Prentice Hemphill, which is, who's a somatics uh, facilitator that I really value says that mm-hmm. boundaries are the the distance at which I can love you and myself simultaneously. Mm. Oh yeah, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And even having boundaries being like being founded upon love, mm-hmm. I think is something that a lot of the spiritual community has just sort of like <laughs> let fly away. Like, kind oh of, no. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Like boundaries have to be rooted in love, not only to be sustainable, but in order to be healing and helpful. And right. if you were discarding people with the idea that they will never come back around, like that's not how the universe works because it'll yeah. come back around, whether it's that specific person or another person until another you lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until you recognize how to remain yourself. Right. In the midst of it all. <laughs> Yeah, that is so true. Well, Q, (laughs) can you share one practice Mm -hmm. that's helping you discover who you are in this moment? 
Yes, I would say one practice for me is radical self-acceptance. Like that's something that I've actively been working on. Um, and it's a very new journey for me, but I feel like the world would be a better place if people just radically accepted themselves, you know, and it's something that I struggled with as well, because I had realized that, you know, when you don't accept parts of yourself, usually you end up projecting like the hurt or shame or even embarrassment onto other people, whether it could be subconsciously or consciously, you know, and yeah, since I've started my journey of like radical self-acceptance, I felt just a whole new level of inner peace because it's not about saying that I'm perfect. It's more about saying that, you know, I accept myself in my humanness and I accept the ups and downs of, you know, my humanness and of life. And that's one thing that allowed me to just kind of flow in tandem with my journey. Um, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I, you know, I feel like most adults are winging it. We love to act like we have it all figured out. But even as a traveler, you know, I'm figuring things out week by week, month by month, day by day, like everyone else. But I have accepted the fact that, you know, I am human and I trust myself to kind of guide myself wherever that may be. So, and there's also a book called Radical Self-Acceptance that I've been wanting to read as well. But I, that's one thing that I've been studying. Radical self-acceptance. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's it can be a difficult journey because it's almost like in tandem with shadow work you're facing all the parts of yourself that you felt shame about or you felt embarrassment or other people projected shame onto you about you know so for me I feel like it's a version of shadow work um and it resolve it involves a lot of introspection that is not always fun you know but at the end when you realize like it's okay for me to think this way or be this way because I'm human, that just makes life, yeah, a lot more peaceful. Peace is what we're all after at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, <anyway. laughs> definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Q, for sharing your own journey, sharing your uh, own. Absolutely. Yeah, this has been honestly like I feel so warm. <laughs> <laughs> thank you I love your energy I love like like I said earlier I love your mission and I was excited to be invited here so like I really appreciate this opportunity to come and be on your podcast it was an amazing conversation for sure oh thank you uh Q <laughs> can you tell me and the not yet community uh what you're building right now and where uh, we can right. find you online Yes. Yeah, so I'm working on building my website as we speak. Um, it's going to, I'm working on building my brand traveling trans. Um, so I have a website coming. I'm working on getting my podcast up and running. And so I will definitely send you that info so you can link it when the time is right. Um, but as of now, I also have a TikTok community. That's where I'm most active at Q2 Travel. Uh, I'm also pretty active on Instagram at Q2 Travel. And yes, I just really am appreciative of this platform and my supporters because I went on this road trip journey 
thinking that I was going to maybe have a few thousand followers here, maybe a few thousand there, but three, not even three months, maybe two and a half months later, I have almost 60,000 people supporting (laughs) me, which is amazing. Um, And, you know, I'm just taking it one day at a time, but definitely having this like support makes it a lot, a lot easier. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Not Yet. The podcast is hosted by me, Paige Polk, and produced by Paige Polk International. The show art is made by Elizabeth Olguin, and the music is by Elder. Don't forget to subscribe here. And if you want more of this love in your life, visit notyetseries.com to join the Not Yet Project and community. I'll see you next week.